So let me let me tell you about a case that I've been looking at mm. that went through a prosecution in Perth. Yep. So, you know, we're, we're looking at, at someone who was building the um, Forest Field Airport Link. So, yep. again, like last time, we won't name the company, right? But let's summarise of what happened. So, they've got, there's a north side of this airport and a southern side of this airport. And there's construction happening on both sides. And they seem to be working quite isolated to each other. So, there's the southern crew and the northern crew. And... Um, at one, at one point in time, they asked the northern crew to come over to the southern side and erect something as simple as a camera pole because they wanted to record the progress of the job as it was going along yep. while they were building this airport. So it was as simple as, I want to erect a pole with a camera on top of it and you know it's going to sit there for the duration of the job. How far did they have to move this pole? Only about 20 metres. So it's, it wasn't something that they had to move a, a huge distance, but they needed a crane to do it. How long was the pole? 10 metres. So Ooh. it was going up 10 minutes, sitting on a concrete pad. Yeah. So they've moved the concrete pad. Yeah. No issue, right? Yeah. Because it's loaded the ground, moved it, put it in place. So, you know, you've now got this 10 metre pole. So rather than picking it up sideways. Horizontally, Horizontally. Yeah. They picked it up vertically. Yeah. So they decided to circumvent. This way they wouldn't have to undo the slings because it was easier and late in the day. So I'm only going to do one lift, put it into place, take the slings off and Bob's your uncle. So just pick it up so the pole is vertical, drive 20 metres and put it on top put of the concrete. Put it on top of a concrete pole. Easy job. Sounds like a simple enough job, yep. right? Yep. So you've got a rigger, someone else helping out. Yeah. And you've got you've got the driver of the crane, yeah. so you know they've been tasked with this task. No risk assessment again. So well, before we start, how long have they been working with these guys? Eight-hour job, just starting. Look, they've been working for. Some of these were working from six thirty that morning. This is probably four thirty in the afternoon. So again, late good 10, afternoon. 12 hour day. Yeah, 10, 10, 10 hour, 12 hour day. Yeah. You know. Some of them had been working a shorter time, only about seven hours that yeah. day. But again, no risk assessment. And so you've got they didn't know people, the job side either, did they? people coming over from the north side to perform a task on the okay. southern side. While well, it seems like it's a simple enough task, I'm just going to move a pole from here to there. 20 metres. But they never even looked at what the risks were. So they didn't identify any risks. Yep. Late in the afternoon, like last time, we go... At that time, you know, in your shift, you want to go home. You're not necessarily making the smartest decision. Mm. So, you know, humans being human go, what's my least point of resistance? I'm going to pick up the pole horizontally and no, vertically, vertically yeah. and put it go straight in. and put just put it straight on top, of, this straight on top of the concrete yeah. pad. What they failed to see was the 132,000 volt power line that they were working underneath. So you've got a professional crane driver, professional spotter, and a person holding this pole steady while they're driving underneath the power line. Wow. So power line is only 13 metres high, just regular regulation height. And you've got a crane with a 10 metre pole suspended from it. So, you know, so you're the, looking at the 10 metres plus you, the support, you're a couple of metres higher than that, so yeah. you're about right on the limit, aren't you're you? Right about 13 metres. You're yeah, right on the limit. Minutes. Now, yeah. the, the law says you must be at least six metres under that, right? So, yeah. so they're kind of within this 12 and a half, 13 metre mark, right? So all of a sudden there is this explosion. So 
you know, it's difficult to tell whether they actually hit the power line or whether the power just jumped. Mm. You know, it's 132,000 volts. The long and the short of it, the person hanging onto, onto the pole with the rope down the bottom, he goes flying through the air and quite severe injuries, burns 38% of his body, you know, and three years later, still not working more than 14 hours a week. So, you know, quite debilitating, quite um, quite serious, if you like. So, yeah, you know, this, this is a long recovery time for this one person. And, you know, the rigger, who was actually supposed to be watching this whole thing, had his back towards the crane, the person. He was steadily and happily walking towards the concrete pad 20 metres ahead of him rather than watching the crane. Watching what's going on and watching so, the height. You know, yeah. There's a couple of failures <clears throat> in here. So, you know, why was the person operating a crane without a risk assessment and lifting plan? Mm. Why was the, the rigger or the spotter not watching what the crane was doing? Yeah. And, you know, why was the person hanging onto the pole in the first place to steady it? Now, mm. if they would have lifted it, the other way, horizontally, yeah. horizontally, it would have been no issue because they would yeah. have been underneath that height, would, and you know, so it would have been quite a safe lift to do. So, in, so in this sense, stepping away from who's responsible for it, what should they have done to make sure just straight up three guys go to the job? What would you recommend, even if it's a mum and dad thing working around the house, brother, father, and a young son all sitting there? What should they do to? Make sure they can assess everything that they know there's none of this, there's no power lines, there's no there's nothing hanging over their current. What should they do to actually make sure nothing, none of these accidents happen? First thing you should be doing is looking at your environment. Yeah. If you are working for a company like this, yeah. you should be looking at your induction process. Yeah. And part of that induction process should be telling you what the standard site hazards are. So, you know, it's... There's uneven ground. You're going to operate a crane. There is an overhead power line. You know, you're going to be working late in the afternoon. So, you know, and you then follow the legal requirements of you're a crane driver, you're a professional crane driver, you know you must do a lifting plan. Hmm. You must do a safe lift assessment. You must look at, you know, driving the distance or how that how distance will drive. Yeah. So, you know, it's like a simulation in your head. Is the equipment powered to the right, the weight of, of what you're trying to lift? So, you know, all of those things come into play. Now, these are professional people. This is not your mum and dad company. No. You know, this is someone building an airport link is not a mum and dad company. You know, no. these are professional big companies. So from the professional to the mum and dad, they all should do the same thing. All should do the yeah. same thing, you know, and you know, for this company here, induction. You know, even yeah. though they work for the company on the northern side, they're not familiar with the southern side. And yeah. these people were not familiar with the southern they didn't know that overhead power lines existed. How you could miss them, 132,000 volt power line, that would be a massive power line. So how did he miss them? Well, how did they miss them? Do you, did and they just know? didn't look up. Didn't look up. Did not look up. So, you know, not only did they not do a risk assessment, they also didn't even take a look at their environment. They just lifted didn't look this around, thing just went and, yeah. and lifted it, right? So, and if they would have done it ver um, horizontally, there would have been no issue. But because they did it the other way around, trying to take a shortcut, it ended badly. And that was because they wanted to just drive straight over and plonk because it was in a vertical, down. then plonk it on and bolt it instead of doing two lifts, which is horizontal Correct. in, stop, unhook it, 
and then rehook it up to do the vertical. So okay. it's a shortcut, right? Yeah. But you yeah. had three people taking the shortcut. Not one not of one. them said, yeah. or not one of them actually looked up and go, hang on, there's a power line. The worst so, thing about this, sorry to cut you off, but the worst thing about this, if it was a single guy on his own, he would have had to have put it horizontally because he would have had to have driven it in. He would have had to have put it down. He would have had to have plugged it in. He would have had to have got back and done it. Even though he probably wouldn't have done it, and he wouldn't, you know, obviously an unrisky place. But in that sense, they he would have wouldn't have had all that other help. So he would have had to have thought about it totally differently in that Correct. sense. Correct, because they would have. He would have had to think about what's the best way to, you know, safe. Put, <laughs> and what's the safest way to lift it, to tie it up. Yeah. You know, how do I get it to go vertically from horizontal yeah. and all the rest of it? He wouldn't have been able right. to drive it that way. That's an, yeah. So you know, they would have probably done a better risk assessment or an assessment of the situation rather than just calling it a risk assessment. They even failed to do an assessment of what the task they were going to do. They just went in there and did a bull at a gate. So, yeah. So, you know, not even a thought process of, let's have a look around our environment. So they just went in and got the job done, which is kind of typical for our culture. We yeah. just get in there, get the job done, we're out of here, yeah, let's go home, we leave, yeah. right? We go home, end of the day. Hopefully it wasn't a Friday afternoon. Well, it do- I don't know what day it was. It doesn't say that. But look, long and the short of it, while we've discussed that, you know, there was a person that had some serious harm, 38% of his body, hadn't worked for three years. You know, this is a three-year-old incident. It's taken three years to get to court. But, and look, the company itself, do you know what the fine was that they, they, that they got for this? No, no idea. $150,000 plus $3,000 with a court cost only because they pleaded guilty. If they hadn't pled guilty, you know, there would have been additional court costs. Mm. But on top of that 150, I can almost guarantee you that the legal team would have been somewhere between a hundred to hundred and fifty thousand dollars in this case just to defend it. Wow. So, you know, there's, you know, probably three hundred K without getting any change. Now, for an average company, even this size, if their profit margins say ten percent, that's three million dollars worth of money that they have to make before they even make their three hundred K back. Wow. You know, so it's it's a, we're probably talking a company like this can afford it. But you now go down to the mum and dad company, okay, let's just put it into a different scenario that it was a mum and dad crane company and the crane company got prosecuted rather than the people building the, the airport, right? Mm. So, you know, they probably would have had an eighty to $100,000 fine on this because they've seriously hurt someone. You know, mm. if they would have gotten a nice judge and a good lawyer, they might have gotten, you know, to fifty and sixty thousand dollars in a fine. But the more you know, the better the lawyer, the more you pay for them too. Yeah. So let's just go back over a few things for everyone. That the reason we promote and we want to promote, you know, good health safety practice and what we're talking here is why in this sense is a risk assessment so important. So I'll just give some readers a few pointers here. And so what you're looking at to make sure you say for these people, we want to create awareness of the risks and the hazards, right? We want to make sure everyone is understanding. We want to identify who who may may be at risk, whether it be the employer, a cleaner, the crane driver, the person who's six metres away. We want to determine whether and what control is required to, for the particular hazard, how to manage that. Determine the exist, existing control and measures are adequate or what should be done to make sure it's all going to be safe, prevent any injuries or illness that come from it, especially if it's done or designed from a planning stage. So when they first get there, what they've got to look at, prioritise the hazards. Let's make sure we control them and then just meet the legal requirements, which is what you're talking about. So anyone that's doing these, all those things are extremely important. 
you'd agree with that, wouldn't you? It's very important to make sure that they all get done. So the overall goal is just to eliminate any risk of the injury. Correct. So if you if you look at this particular case in, in, in um, the one I've just mentioned, right? Yeah. So let's just say even if they hadn't done the paperwork, right? Hmm. But if they would have done something as simple as look up, they would have seen the power line. If they, just if they would have just looked at their environment and looked at the task that has to be done in a logical manner, they would have come up with, hey, there's a power line sitting right above us. I shouldn't be anywhere near this with a crane. Yeah. Okay, so a crane driver knows that, you know, depending on the voltage, what distance he needs to be underneath it. Oh, he should, yeah, he would you know, know. 132,000 volt, that is a substantial power line. Even under a 33,000 volt power line, you know, the, the safe distance is six metres underneath it. So, you know, a power line that is 13 metres up in the air, they're up in the air for a reason mm. <laughs> because they're dangerous pieces of yeah. equipment. So so if, if you think about, you know, 50% of your area is a no-go zone. Mm. So, you know, way out of... So they were way out of that no-go zone, mm. you know. And uh, if if they would have just done a simple thing like, let's just talk about the job and consult with each other and what do you think is the best way to do this, one of them might have spotted the power line. You would think so. Six You'd like to think of so. There, yeah. But not only that, you would also like to think that whoever is responsible for the site would have pointed out, hey, guys, you're going to do a lift. Tell me how you're going to do it safely. And also, uh, by the way, you're dealing with a 132,000 volt, 132, volt power line. So unlike our last one in um, episode one where the company CEO was being prosecuted, in this case, did that come down to the company CEO? Did the company here have procedures in place that negated them from anything here? Or is this just... And with no disrespect, just irresponsibleness from the people on the job. Well, funny you should mention that. One of the things that it actually says in this case study, now it doesn't go down to the detail of who was prosecuted like the last one. Yeah. I'd have to actually look at the case study notes on, on it and the court transcript. But the funny part about this is that the company had a procedure for managing work underneath power lines and also a work instruction for conducting work within a, a safety zone of the power line. And so these so guys didn't get that, or they didn't see it? They never even knew it existed. So it, it was a pretty piece of paper sitting on a shelf. Ooh. So the company was, the, the workers were never even trained in that. And that's, this is why that induction part is so important. Super important, yeah. When, when you, even when you're going from, say, the north side to the south side, every workplace is different. So you need that induction to tell you what the site hazards are. And the other ironic part in this particular case is that power line was moved a couple of weeks later. So if they only would have held off installing a camera just to track their progress, it never would have happened. And that's the interesting thing. So the, the line was scheduled to be removed two weeks prior, not two weeks prior, post the injury. And all they had to do was hold off two weeks and they could have just... Yeah, or, have even or they could have mitigated by asking the power company to turn the power off. Another good reason. So, yeah. you know, you, there, there are things that you can mitigate with working underneath power lines. People do it every and day. So there is a ton of things they could have done in that so sense, there, isn't there, there? There's lots of things that you can do with pre-planning. So this job was obviously not planned. 
it it was you know probably a spur of the moment end of the day and you know while we are making assumptions but you know it's pretty safe to assume that you know fatigue eagerness to get home might have played a part in some of their decision making for taking the shortcut instead of lifting the pole the other way in Mm. a safer manner you know and not assessing the job so let's just get it done it's one simple lift we're just putting a pole on the concrete pad yeah and and this goes this really drives the point home doesn't it that the risk assessment with any job that you go to and the um, induction plan of looking at the site prior to doing a risk assessment walking around having a look at everything and then making sure you've got a safe work method procedure about how are you going to do it or a JSA and making sure that you know the job safety analysis is done correctly and everyone's on board with that so everyone knows what's going on so each of those three people are totally aware of the safety so that they don't get injured and I think obviously in this case the assumption is there is that if they do those they don't get the injury. Mm, Correct look it's no different to your average road user, right? We do, if you are a driver of a motor vehicle, we you risk assess yeah. all the time. Every minute. Every time you take a turn, every time you go someone's dr- past the driveway and there's a kid with a ball, yeah. you slow the car down, you make yeah. a risk assessment, there's a possibility the kid might jump out onto the road with a ball, right? The, you know, you come up towards a traffic light, what's the risk of that turning red because I don't want to get the fine going through it? Yeah. So we risk assess everything that we do. Every time we pick up a, a knife, so yep. to slice some bread, some bread, for example, you know, we, we hold the knife correctly. Okay, things go wrong. We do things by automation. But these sort of cases are not an automation case. No. You know, where you do it by default and you don't even consider that you're doing it. And, the, you know, and the interesting... How, how, how often do you actually drive and, you know, you do, you're an autopilot or you're yeah. tired and you go... Bugger of that. Was that a green light or was it a red light mm. in the middle of the night? You know, yeah. we all do it. It's we are human. Well, the thing that I, you know, it's a point that you made. The thing that is interesting about all of this that there's a maybe I might be you know um, exaggerating a bit there, but there seems to be a view within the business of OHS that these regulations are a hassle. But when you actually think about it deeply enough, like you've just said, we we risk assess every day. These are here to protect us. To protect us. So when you look at it, it's when you look at it. Yes, yes, it seems like it might be a hassle, but it's actually not because it actually stops injuries and it stops the safety. So there's this seems to be this mentality. Oh, you know, it's too quick. I can't be bothered. It's annoying. It's frustrating. It's whatever. But yet, when you look at it, if we're doing risk assessments when we get in the car, when we leave a knife on the counter and a three-year-old kid comes up. You then take it away and put it somewhere else and make sure they're not around. You turn the handle in a boiling pot of water on the stove so the little three-year-old doesn't reach up. You're doing, like you say, you're doing it all the time. So why are we not? Where is there a lack of disrespect to the regulations because of time and because of them being too big or because they they take a long time? If you know what I mean, like is it? It seems like if we do do it every day and everything, then why don't why when it comes to the times where you know, every second day someone's going to die and every second someone's going to get injured. Why do we, why is there a laziness in wanting to do it? I because we, we have, we, there's a lot of complexity in health and safety. So, in a, in a, even a simple procedure, there's a lot of complexity. We assume that people can read, right? So, you know, we hand them a piece of paper, we assume they can read, hmm. right? We assume that they know how to fill out a risk assessment. 
even if they've been trained, unless you're doing it every day, it's really hard because you have to think about what are my hazards and what are the steps to the job that I'm going to take. And potential hazards. Or you, know, what, yeah. you know, on top of that is, okay, I know what my hazards are, but what are the things that I don't know? Mm. You know, how do I mitigate against those? You know, how do I know what the other person is think, thinking that they're not going to walk into the path of the truck or the footpath, the mm. forklift or anything like that? So, you know, but again... Our visual controls tell us, hey, there's a person that might walk into my pathway, but they still do it, mm. you know, and your average lo um, loaded forklift, even that's speed limited at, say, five kilometers, will take three meters to come to a complete stop. Mm. Three meters is a hell of a lot of distance yeah. if you're walking in front of it. Absolutely. You know, they're, 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 that is, you know, three meters doesn't seem like a lot. But it is a lot. It is if it hits you. It is if it hits you. <laughs> yes. So, you know, and you think about the force that it's it's breaking while it's going over that three minutes. Even on mm. a sudden stop, I'm, mm. I'm breaking hard. It's still going to take two and a half to three minutes to stop yeah. because it's yeah. fully loaded. You know, and that's assuming that the forklift driver can actually see me. Mm. You know, so you need to really be aware of your surroundings. You need to risk assess. You need to know your workplace. Understanding your workplace is key to this, you know, and understanding your risks. So if you are uh, the average worker turning up in the morning, it's not I'm checking my brain in at the door syndrome. You mm. know, it's just not acceptable. Yeah. You know, you are trained in, you're a professional person. So taking this crane driver, what's the first thing you do as a crane driver is you look up. Yeah. What's the first thing you do as a rigger? You look up and look at your environment. How can you possibly do a lift that's blind? Yeah. You, you may as well put blinkers on the person and say, go for it. It's the same analogy, you know, and while we're blaming this one person, you've got to look at what allowed the system to fail. So the system failed in not inducting them. Mm. So that's your very basic system failure. Mm. You know, to assume that they know the workplace and they know what the hazard is. Hmm. So by not inducting them, that's really the first failure that happened on the site, let alone everything else that occurred yeah. after that. You know, but by not even telling someone there's a power line, that's your first failure. Yeah. Yep. You know, and that's why risk assessment is so important. And it's up to the person to go, how do I stay safe? Because I can't assume that everyone's going to hold my hand to keep me safe. You know, they will. They will tell you if they know. But you don't know what the other person knows. So it's that assumed knowledge. Yes. And that's really hard to get across, you know. We cannot, we can no longer check our brain in at the door. Um, how did they build things like, you know, the Brooklyn Bridge, the Westgate Bridge? Everyone's seen people sitting on those steel beams, you know. Mm. They had no harnesses, but a hell of a lot of people died too. Lost a lot of people, yeah. You know, it lost a lot of and injured a lot of people. While, it, yeah. you know, it may seem like a great photograph of, of you know, these guys sitting in, in the in the 20s sitting on a steel beam, yeah. you know, the reality is building that bridge killed a hell of a lot of people. A lot of people fell. That's it. You know, and that's lack of risk assessment. Yeah. And, and this is where knowledge. we progressed to, though, as well, we, which is what we've got to admit. We have. But, you know, yeah. you still can't say that no one will even think about, I'm going to replicate that photo. 
because you can bet your life that somewhere, somewhere down the track, someone's going to think it's a good idea to sit on a steel beam without a harness. That's true. That is exactly, that is very and, true. you know, on that note, I think we should leave it for today. Yeah. And next time, I think we should dive deeper into how to do a risk assessment Easy. and how to train people into, into the risk assessment space and how to actually get the mindset of my life depends on this. Yes, yes. So no one ends up going home injured or leaving loved ones behind or uh, having time off work due to injury. Look, I can tell you that as a safety manager, and I am fortunate to have never come across that, the worst thing that can happen on your site, on your watch, is a serious incident. Hmm. You know, there is nothing more eye-opening than having someone get seriously injured on your on your watch. Well, Silky... Thank you very much. Thank you, Chris. It's been another interesting evening. <laughs> and, yes. you know, it's always enjoyable having the conversations with you. Excellent. Thank you, Silky. Thank you. And we'll see you all next time.